Well, take your Bible tonight and go to 1 Samuel. And uh, chapter number 22 is going to be our text. We've been studying the life of David as he's been on the run, escaping uh, the aim of Saul that wanted to wipe him off the face of the earth. And uh, yet God has continued to protect David. Now, the sad part that we've come to in our study, for those of you that are, are guests here with us, we've been considering what to do when a nation needs revival. And uh, the life of David is there following uh, really the debauchery and the confusion, the moral confusion, the religious confusion of the days of the judges. Um, it was dark. It was a dark time. But in the midst of all that darkness, God still was shining the light through the home and used even a, a man named Boaz and a woman, a Moab, a Moabitish woman named Ruth. And, um, and then they had a great grandchild named David. And so we're, we're considering his life. So we're looking at 1 Samuel 20 and 22 is, and 21 and 22 is where we've been. And so uh, if you can put up with my scratchy voice here tonight, I, I don't like allergies. Anybody else? I mean, it's just, it's just not, not uh, you know, I wish it had been wiped out with the flood or something, you know, and where we wouldn't have to deal with that anymore, you know. And I, I don't know, it seems like every time I go across the Mississippi River back to Oklahoma, or back to Kentucky, and then I come back, it just messes me up. So I, I must just stay here, you know. I'm just going to stay here and not go back that way again. So, no, I, my mom is watching this uh, by live stream, so I'll, I'll come see you, mom, but not. <clears throat> All right, 1 Samuel 22, so how about it? 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. David, therefore, departed thence and escaped. He escaped to a cave called Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Notice, notice the uh, rough group that joins him here. Okay, I mean, a, a rough, ragtag group. I, I don't know how you'd want to say it, just a rough group. It says, everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented. How about that, your first leadership group, right? In distress, in debt, discontented. Sound like Bible college students, but anyways. Um, huh? In distress, in debt, discontented. Yep, yep, that'll work, that'll work. Well, they gathered themselves unto him. They gathered themselves unto David, and he became a captain over them. What a motley crew, really, that he's chosen to lead. And he became a captain, a leader over them. And there were with him about 400, 400 of these men. Wow. Now, it's interesting to me. I'll just pause here to say this. God does a great transforming work in the lives of these men. Because here they are in 1 Samuel 22 in distress and debt and discontented. But in 2 Samuel 22, they're known as the mighty men of David. Same men. But God did a great work in their life. And I'm thankful tonight that even if you are discontent and in distress and in debt, God can do a great work in your life too. And so that's a real blessing. Verse number three says, And David went thence to Mizpah, Mizpah, uh, a fortress is the idea, Mizpah of Moab. Moab. That's on the other side of the Dead Sea, friend. Moab. And he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know that, 
till I know what God will do for me. I, I'm, I'm finding actually some help right there. I'm finding some hope right there that, that even in the midst of the fact that David was out of God's will, he's kind of starting to come back around right here. He says, I don't know what God, I don't know what God's going to do just yet. But I, the indication is he believes God's going to do something. Okay, so thank God for that. He'd not lost all spiritual sense, even in this moment of spiritual delusion. All right, now, verse number four. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. The hold. That's the word in other parts of the King James Bible for fortress. He's in the hold. His parents are in the hold. All right, but look what happens in verse number five. And the prophet Gad said unto David, abide not in the hold. Abide not in the hold. Depart and get thee into the land of Judah. You know what he's saying right there? David, what in the world are you doing here? Get out of here. Get back to Judah. Look what happens. Then David departed and came into the forest of Harith, which is in Judah. Amen. He got back where he needed to be. I'm thankful that even when you get out of God's will, God will help you get back if you'll listen to him. That's what this message is about tonight. Here's the title of the message. When you find yourself all over the place. When you find yourself all over the place, you ever do that? All over the place. It may be you went to one room to get something, you forgot what you're there for, and then you went to the other room trying to remember what you went there for, and then you went to another room. You're all over the place. Okay, that's not what we're talking about tonight. I'm not sure we can help you with all that. But spiritually, when you find yourself all over the place, I want you to think about this tonight. You're not in a safe place until the Lord is your stronghold. You're not in a safe place until the Lord is your stronghold. So may God bless his word and use it here tonight. You may be seated. One of my favorite comic strips is the family circus. Um, it's just, um, there's just something inviting about it, you know, Billy and Jeffy and Dolly and, and uh, mom and dad. Bill Keen did a good job of capturing some of the wonderful things about family life and a safe place. And so one of my favorite parts of that comic strip is whenever they do the dotted line, whenever he has the panorama. Anybody, who knows what I'm talking about? Okay, the panorama, and they got this little dotted line where his little feet have gone. And so sometimes it's over, you know, the over the hill and it's up the tree and it's down the tree and it's over the or down the slide and up the through the swings and then it's down from the swing and all around. I mean, just all over the place. The most recent one that I, that I saw, just that thought came to mind as I thought about being all over the place. And, and one of them, you know, little Jeffy's having a, a, a dream and he's dreaming about all these nursery, nursery rhymes. And he went up the hill with Jack and Jill and then he scaled Humpty Dumpty's wall and he gave a bone to Mother Hubbard's dog and climbed a tree to rock the cradle at the top and back down the tree only to get lost with Bo Peep's sheep. <laughs> Jumped over the candlestick before returning to bed. When he woke up, he said to his mom, Mom, my legs are tired. He'd been all over the place all over the place. Well, 
Um, one reader, I mean, actually I read an article about it and said that, said, she said, for me, the family circus was like a map and a compass hidden in the family circus. Their parents, the parents that are depicted in that comic strip, they truly loved their kids and their home was stable. My home wasn't stable. And reading that kind of gave me the idea what a home could look like. The author of it noted that when Billy and Jeffy went on these, these uh, dotted line adventures, that they were going through their neighborhood in a time before stranger danger and Amber Alerts. It was a different day and time. You know, you could kind of go around. Remember, remember when kids could play outside, right? Remember when kids wanted to play outside? Kids, play outside. Get off the screen and go outside. Find a stick, young men, and make it a gun or something, right? And make it a sword, make it a bat. Do something outside. And, and so anyways, uh, you could meander around. Well, I realize a lot of neighborhoods are not that way, and, and we live in that reality, and it's not safe. But that, that day and time, he always, no matter where he wandered, where he roamed, he'd always come back to his mom and dad's front step. David's wandering around, and it's not a safe place. And, and, and I'm just, I'm just going to get right to it here tonight before I run out of voice. You, you can't, you can't just wander around spiritually in this world and, and, and just kind of going and doing what you think is best. You, you can't do that. We're not living in a safe world. We're not living in a safe place. You, listen, there's danger all around. There's dangerous influences. There's dangerous friendships. There's dangerous websites. But I, I wonder tonight if we could track your steps. Now, I hope that most here tonight, that if we did a dotted, a dotted line of what your week looked like, that I'd say for probably the vast majority, it would look like this. You left the house and you went and dropped the kids off at school and you went to work and then you came back and picked up the kids from school and then you went to get something to eat and you went to practice and then you went back home and then you went out maybe, are you following me? And, and, and there's just those responsibilities where we wander all around. And, and then some of you are serving God. You're serving the Lord with your life. You've already taken aim as an adult and you're trying to serve God. And so your dotted line uh, depiction of your week would be maybe that you're, you've gone to some people's houses and you've knocked on their door and you're caring about, about them and you're working a bus route or you're working a Sunday school class or, or you're trying to serve the Lord in some way. But some of you, I, I just wonder if we brought the screen down and we, we tracked here where your thoughts went this week. Well, I don't know that any of us would want that. Right? Where your thoughts go and where your thoughts went this week. Or I, I, wonder, if, I wonder if you'd get nervous if we brought your profile up here on, your, on whatever uh, social media platform you use, whether Instagram or Snapchat or, or, or Facebook or whatever you use. I wonder if we just put your, your profile up here and began to show the congregation what you've been doing. I wonder if you'd start to go down in the seat. Huh? Because either what you're wearing or what you posted that somebody else is wearing or what you said or what they said, huh? I wonder where you're wandering. I wonder where you're going. I wonder where, where your thoughts are taking you. I wonder where your words are taking you. I, I wonder what, what venues you've been in and where you've been. I wonder, I wonder if this week you went to the fridge and you picked out a beer. I wonder this week if, if you went over that computer or you went over that laptop or you got on your phone and you went to some sites that you shouldn't have. 
Well, I want to thank God tonight that God cares about your spiritual state enough and cares about your security enough and cares about your life enough and cares about your future enough and can forgive you of your past enough to where you're not stuck there wandering around doing just, just what you think and, and in some dangerous places. I want to thank God tonight that He'll help you see that you're not in a safe place until God is your stronghold. Till God is your stronghold. You see, David was on the run from Saul. And, and I mean, it was a real serious and real dire situation as, as Saul wanted to snuff his life out. And so, but here's the problem. David uh, went to even a place called Nob. I mean, if you track the geography of this, if you track the geography of this, then you'd see that David had gone to Ramah. And then from Ramah, he went back to, to Saul's headquarters. And from Saul's headquarters, then he went to a place called Nob. And then from Nob, he went to a place uh, 25 miles south to a place called Gath, the hometown of, of Goliath, the hometown of, in, in the Philistine territory. So now he's down in Gath. And then he's going to leave Gath, and he's going to go to Adullam. And then from Adullam, Adullam, Cave Adullam, then he goes over into Moab. I'm just simply saying tonight, he's all over the place. And I, I just want to uh, challenge you here tonight to think about where your spiritual life has been because every one of us have had some times when our spiritual life is all over the place. But you're not going to find a safe place. You're not going to be in a, in a stronghold until the Lord is your stronghold. Any decision that you make outside the will of God puts you in a very dangerous spot. And God is calling you back tonight to Judah. Now, if you're in Judah, figuratively speaking, if you're in Judah, you ought to take heed to that, to that tonight and say, you know, I'm just by the grace of God, I'm going to stay where God's will is for my life. I'm going to stay in church. That's a real good place to start with God's will in your life. You're in a dangerous spot, friend, if you start getting out of church. You're in a dangerous spot if you're in church and you're out of church or you think, oh, I think I can make it without a Wednesday night service. I think I can show up and just serve whenever it's my time. And then the other times, I'm not going to be here. No, listen, friend, listen, you, listen, you, listen, you got to be here. And, and you got to be in a place where you're hearing from God. And, and so David was, was all over the place spiritually. And by the way, first of all, he was in a right place because he had the, the priest Ahimelech in his life and and the showbread, and we saw that last week. He was in a place where God could have helped David. He was in a right place physically, but he was in a wrong place spiritually. And when you're in a right place spiritually, but a, hang on, when you're in a right place physically, but you're in a wrong place spiritually, it's just a matter of time until you're in a wrong place physically because you've been in a wrong place spiritually. I believe tonight that as a member of Southwest Baptist Church or as a guest that's visiting this church and you're seeking a church home, that if you, if you, will, if you will determine in your heart and mind, I'm going to be in this church and I'm going I'm to serve the Lord with my life, God will keep you in a safe place. But if you wander away from that safe place, and listen now, you go down to Gath. You, you get around some people you never dreamed you'd be around. 
you know, probably to the young people, they think, you know, man, I hear this all the time. Um, everybody's concerned about who my friends are. Right? Well, that's not just for teens. That's for adults, too. But how many adults tonight are nowhere near the will of God? Because when they were in their young adult years or teen years, they thought, you know, I don't need to hear this. I can just talk among my friends. The next thing you know, they've drifted away. And they ended up with some people that they never dreamed they'd be around. A rough group. A rough group. Now, I'm, I'm, not, talking about the, I'm not talking about the ones that came to Adullam. I'm talking about the Philistines. The Philistines who said, you know, this is David. This is the one that they sing the songs about. This is the king of Israel. And David realized, man, I'm in a dangerous spot right here. I want to thank God tonight. There's some people that are in this congregation right now that maybe about five to 10 years ago, they were literally in a very dangerous spot because of choices that they had made to get away from God. I mean, like in a really dangerous spot, whether gang activity or drugs or alcohol or or, or in a dangerous spot with their marriage. Are you listening to me here tonight? You say, that can never happen to me. Here's what you need to do. You need to take heed lest you fall. You need to take heed lest you fall because there's people in this congregation right now that five or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, they went on a little venture down to Gath and, and they got out of God's will and they, they, didn't, they, didn't think it would, they didn't think it would hurt them like it's hurt other people. But listen, friend, sin is still deadly to every generation. And, and the things of this world and the, and the deceitfulness and the lying and the, and the debauched ways of living and the fornication and the adultery and all those things, listen, it will mess your life up like it has every single generation before you. You better be careful where you're at tonight. And, and, and so David ended up in a place he never dreamed. I don't think when he was out there on the Judean hillside, he ever dreamed that someday he'd be down in Gath, scratching on a wall, acting like a wild man. And if, if you just slowly but surely get out of God's will, you'll get around people you never dreamed that you'd be around and you'll be doing things and acting in a way that does not fit who you are. He got out of Gath. Hey, hey, by the way, by the way, I'm glad his plan down in Gath didn't work. One of the worst things that could happen to you is for your plan to work when you're out of God's will. For you to prosper when you're out of God's will. You know, sometimes I guess we can be guilty of this as preachers because we're trying to warn people about the dangers that are, are, get, that are there when you get out of God's will. And sometimes we can paint the picture such as this, that listen, if you get out of God's will, then this is going to happen to you and this is going to happen to you. And listen, we preach that and your parents tell you that or your friends tell you that or a teacher tells you that because we've seen enough, enough of it to where that has happened. But sometimes people start making money. And sometimes they advance in their career. And sometimes, even while they're out of church, they get the best promotion and they get all that this world offers. But I want to ask you the question, like what Jesus asked this morning, what shall a man gain if he loses his own soul? 
If he gave the whole world, if he gets everything that this world offers, if he gets the best of Gath, then listen, let me, let me ask it to you this way. When a man, in fact, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number eight, as a man, as a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. He gets out of a place of safety. I wonder how good it did Samson to be down there in Gath. I wonder how good it did Samson who had the call of God on his life, the blessings of God on his life, the giftedness of God on his life. How good did it do Samson to prosper down in the land of the Philistines? He prospered to the point of his death. And he lost it all. Some of you just aren't where you ought to be spiritually and you know it. And you know it. I believe David knew right then, I'm not where I need to be. And he went to Adullam and he's hiding out there and 400 other people came around him. Why were they there? Well, well, the text tells us they were in distress. They were in debt. They were in a straight, they were in a tough spot right there. They were in debt. They had creditors calling them. Not call, they had creditors. They had, they had, um, then it says that they were discontented, which I, I didn't realize this, but when I looked it up, it means this. They were bitter of soul. Literally, they were bitter of soul. They were in a really bad spot spiritually because bitterness will put you in a really dark place. And it may be that they've banded together against Saul. I don't know, but they did come to David. His mom and dad came to David. David says uh, to the king there of Moab, would you take care of my parents? Now, now I'm just pointing this out because even in the midst of all of his, his running from God's will, there was still evidence of God's work in David's heart. I don't know if that blessed anybody's heart right here tonight, but, but I, I, I see that, that even when people get so far out of God's will, if they've been taught right, and they've seen God at work in their life before, you train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. In other words, it's saying this, he can't get away from it, or she can't get away from it. They realize, I'm in a wrong place, but I want to take care of my dad and mom. Hey, something, something's going on in David's heart right there. Oh, thank God there's something going on in his heart that, that he's saying, listen, I need to take care of my mom and dad, and, and, I, and, and this is on them, and they weren't looking for this, and so he took care of his mom and dad, and, and so he's there in the cave of Dulham. But then, listen, hang on just a minute. He's still all over the place because he left a Dulham, and he went to Moab. Now, many in this congregation know about Moab, that it is the city that was a result of the incestuous relationship between Lot and one of his daughters. And so the city is a debauched city. It's a wicked city. It's an ungodly city. It's a pagan city. It's a city of idolatry. It's a wicked place. And it makes no sense that, that David would be there. Why? Why did he go to Moab? Well, I mean, he went, he went from uh, where he was there in the cave of Adullam and he went about 10 to 15 or so miles on the other side of the, of the Dead Sea, on, on that east side of the Dead Sea. And, and he's in this place. And I'm sure he's thinking, well, Saul won't look for me here. He thinks 
thinks he's in a safe place. But I'm telling you tonight, you're not in a safe place until God is your stronghold. Why did he go to Moab? Well, his great-grandmother Ruth was a Moabitish woman. So that might have played into it. He's figuring, he's calculating, he's making decisions. Here's the problem, here's the problem. Everybody listen to this here tonight. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Uh, is this coming across? I mean, I realize my voice is shot nearly, but you're hearing me, right? Here, here's the thing. He's making decisions on his own without seeking God. And of all places, he's in Moab. He's all over the place. But God. Man, I'm so thankful for even those times. I'm so grateful to God for even those times when we are down in Moab. And we're so far away from anything that's right with God. We've not been thinking right. We've not been talking right. We've not been living right. We're just, listen, we're just not right. But God is still at work. And how did God get David back? Here's what he did. He sent a prophet. He sent a man of God. Named Gad. I kind of like his name. Gad. Has no connection to us. But anyways, Gad. And he came. And what did he say to David? Love you, David. You're doing great, David. Just keep it up, David. Love you, David. You're a wonderful person, David. You're so talented, David. Man, your skills are great. Your skills are awesome, David. You know, you write a lot of good songs, David. David, you're, you've got all kinds of potential, David. No, here's what he said. What in the world are you doing here? You know, you know why he said that? Because David wasn't in the right place. Listen, when, when you're not in the right place spiritually, when, when you're not where you ought to be with God and your life is all over the place, you don't need some preacher to come along and say, man, you're doing so good. Love everybody here. Let's, let's bring it, bring it in. Just everybody, let's just bring it in. Just have a big old group hug because you know God just loves us all regardless of what we do. No, when the prophet showed up on the scene in the Old Testament, people got scared. Because they thought, oh no, what have we done? Who's guilty here? I mean, it, and, and listen, it, it was because God loved them that he confronted them. I want to thank God tonight that God, God put some preachers in our lives that when we're going on a wrong journey and we're somewhere down in Moab, that God will send a man of God that will reach all the way back to the back pew or all the way up to the front pew or all the way up to the balcony and God will get your attention through the word preached. Because when you're not right with God, the last thing you need is for somebody to coddle you or for somebody to pamper you or somebody to say, well, it'll be all right. No, listen, you need somebody that will tell you like it is. They'll say, I love you enough to say, listen, I don't want to see you staying down here. God's got a plan for your life. You get up. Hang on. You get up. You get out of this place. Sorry about that. You get up and you get out of this place and you get yourself back to Judah. Yep. What in the world are you doing here? You need somebody else to say to you, what in the world are you doing on that website? What in the world, 
What in the world are you doing talking to that person? What in the world are you doing flirting with that lady at work? What in the world are you doing talking to that person that's not your husband? What in the world are you doing not listening to what your parents are trying to say to you and trying to help you in their life? What in the world are you doing using marijuana? What in the world are you doing drinking alcohol? What in the world are you doing skipping church on a Wednesday night? What in the world are you doing skipping church on a Sunday morning? What in the world are you doing going to the lake rather than to the church? What in the world are you doing? Hey, you need somebody that'll say to you, listen, what in the world are you doing listening to that kind of music that's just filling your mind with all kinds of filth? What in the world are you doing keeping up with that television series and you don't want to miss it and it's on Wednesday night because you want to see who she marries or who he marries? What in the world are you doing watching those kind of movies and reading those kind of novels and staying at home when you could be here? Right, right, amen. I heard Brother Dean Herring this week talking about people that have gotten out of church because of COVID and they're still there, but they're able-bodied, they're able people and they're acting like shut-ins before they were shut-ins. Don't be a shut-in before you're a shut-in. What are you doing down in Moab? Get out. Get up and get out. Messing around and TikTok and, and Instagram and other platforms that are just bombarding you with filthy scene after scene. How long are you going to live in Moab when God's got such a great plan for your life? Maybe some teenagers right now, college students right now, young families right now thinking, man, you know, you preach this every single week. You know why I preach this every single week? Because it's in the Word every single week and because the wickedness is in our heart every single week and we need a weekly time to come together and allow the Word of God to confront every one of us to show us where we're off. Because otherwise we're going to get to living like the world and acting like the world. Next thing you know, worldliness creeps into this church and it's not the type of church that honors God. And you're not the type of man or woman that honors God or young lady that honors God or family that honors God or person that honors God. And what our life is ought to be about honoring and fearing Jehovah God. What are you doing where you are? Acting like you're acting, doing what you're doing when God's got a destiny for you. Get up. How, how clear was this? Get up and get yourself back to Judah. You know, what I, you know what I like about David? He didn't say, well, you narrow-minded, legalistic prophet. Man, you're so narrow. I know where you came from and probably is this way. You don't know a lot about Gad. We see Gad all throughout the life of David. In fact, Gad, when you look it up, he was one of those that chronicled the life of David. First, first, first Samuel of chapter number 29. He's gonna confront David about numbering the people. He shouldn't have done that. Second, chronicle, second Samuel chapter 24. He's also involved in the music ministry. Brother Aaron, he's, in, he's one of those that helped out with the music ministry. So all I can figure out is that Gad may have been one of those prophets in the school of prophets. He was in Bible college learning from Samuel and he learned from Samuel the type of confrontational type preaching that ought to go on and not coddling, but saying, listen, when people are wrong, you got to confront them. And God sent Gad on a mission to say to David, David, you're in a wrong spot. And David didn't say, well, you're just from that legalistic, narrow-minded Bible college there in Ramah. You don't understand me, Gad, us, Gad. (laughs) 
You don't understand me. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't know what I've been going through. You don't know the, 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 the abusive uh, actions that have come against me. You don't know what Saul has done to me. Hey, listen, you know, I like it about David that David didn't start right there giving all these excuses for his wrong behavior. It's basically like this. He heard the man of God say you're in a wrong place and he got it right without any other kind of excuses. Because if you keep blaming everybody else for your wrongdoing, you're going to stay in Moab. But thank God he had the sense enough to get up out of Moab and get himself back to Judah. I wish Jacob had done that. God said to Jacob, Jacob, it's time to go back to Bethel. Bethel means house of God. It's time, I mean, that'll just flat preach just the name and the name. It's time to get back into the house of God. And Jacob knew where God wanted him to go, but here's what he did. He settled in a place somewhere, in a dangerous place, somewhere between revival and rebellion. He settled in a place called Succoth because he thought, look, look here. I can have cattle here. I can have houses here. I'll just stay here for a little while. He built houses. Ten years later, as far as I can tell, he's still living there. No, knowing... In fact, by the way, I don't think our problem is a knowledge problem. I think it's a will problem. It wasn't like David didn't know where God wanted him to be. And it wasn't like David didn't know that God would be his stronghold. Because in, 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 uh, in, in Psalm 18, in verse number 2, he said, The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The word fortress is the same word hold. Same word. David knew. I don't think our problems is a knowledge problem. I think it's a will problem. Jacob knew that God wanted him in Bethel, but he settled in Succoth. You say, well, what's the big deal? It didn't, I mean, he didn't do that bad. Yeah, he made a bunch of money. And, and he, I mean, he was even religious about it. He had an altar there. Called, you listen to me here tonight? Please listen very closely. He even had an altar there that he called El Elohei Israel. God is the God of Israel. God's my God. I'm telling you tonight, God can be your professed God, but he may not be your functional God. He may be the one that you're calling God, but he's not really acting like your God because you're not really submitting to him. He right. settled in a place called Succoth. And you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, I'll tell you what happened is his daughter Dinah, she went out and said, well, I wonder how the girls go. I wonder how the girls do around here. I wonder where they shop at the mall. I wonder how the girls, I mean, you check it out. Genesis chapter 34, she went out wondering, I wonder how the girls act around here in Succoth. And, and, and Shechem took her and violated her, defiled her. But listen, friend, she never would have been there had a daddy said, listen, we've been living here long enough. We can't stop in Succoth. We got to go all the way back to Bethel. Man, listen, it's a dangerous place for you as a leader of your home to live somewhere between revival and rebellion. I wonder if David would have ever been king had he stayed in Moab. The land of the king of Moab previously, many generations before, that wanted to hire the prophet Balaam to curse Israel. I wonder if he had been the king of Israel at any point in his life. I'm telling you, he would have missed, he would have missed God's will for his life. Abraham went down to Egypt. 
got out of God's will. You say, well, I mean, did it go bad for him? Well, they got a handmaid named Hagar. And he had relations with her and they had a child named Ishmael. That's the father of the Ishmaelites, the Muslim nations. And to this day, there's a battle that's going on in the Middle East because a man named Abraham left the place of God's will, even just momentarily. You say, it won't cost me very much. It'll cost you and it'll cost everybody connected to you for you to be out of God's will. I'm just saying tonight, get out of Moab. Come back to your senses prodigal. Realize where you are. Stop eating slop with the hogs. Get back to where your heavenly father has his will for your life and, and be in the center of that will and do nothing else. David got back because he took heed to the man of God through the word of God. Oh, 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 oh. There's an important part right here. I believe Gad was basically using the word of God to convince David because in the book of Deuteronomy, it talks about the Moabites and how that we're not to make any kind of peace with them throughout all their generations. And what Gad is saying to David is, David, you know good and well that this is no place for you. You are in a place that is foreign to the will of God for your life. It is so abundantly clear you don't need to be here. Based on scripture and based on, on life, based on where you are, this is not where you need to be, and so you need to get out. So I'm, I'm saying to you, listen, the word of God will get you back in the will of God. if you'll listen to it. I'm so glad tonight that God loves us even when we're in a stronghold of our own making thinking that somehow I'm safe, I'm secure. Nobody will ever know. Nobody will see. I can take care of myself right here. I've got to. I've got nobody else. I'm glad God brought David back to his senses through a prophet named Gad to say, Gad, to David, David, you're not thinking right. And you need to get out of this. So what do you need to do? Well, there may be some people that you need to unfriend. You say, well, man, if I unfriend them, what will they think? Hey, maybe the time come back around that you can be a friend to them. But if the direction of their life is leading you away from God, you can't be a friend with them. Here's what you need to do. I like what Gad did. He was just very clear. You need to get up and get out of that. Some of you are in a friendship and you need to get out of it because it's doing you no good spiritually. You're all over the place. Some of you need to get rid of your Netflix or you need to get rid of whatever other platform or means that you're using to access whatever it is that's taking you out of God's will. Is this making sense? Students, y'all just need to stay in school. Some of you are hitting the wall. My wife was talking to a young lady. I don't think, she, I'm not going to mention her name, but she, I, Angie was asking her, have you hit the wall? This is about the time of the semester church when the, a lot of the students begin to hit the wall. When it's, it's dawning on them, I've got something to do tomorrow and I haven't even started. Amen. I see those hands. God bless you. I see those hands. Angie, I'm trying to help you. Angie asked this young lady, have you hit the wall? She said, I've hit the wall so much, I think I've got a concussion. 
It gets tough, doesn't it? Hey, you don't have to be in Bible college or in college alone to hit the wall. You can hit the wall in life. Trying to take care of kids and take care of a family and trying to pay bills and trying to lead your family and all those things. You can just hit the wall. So many times you feel like you've got a spiritual concussion. Well, I'm thankful tonight that when I get all disoriented in life and have no clue where I am, God is never disoriented. Oh, God was still speaking to David. He wasn't speaking to Saul anymore. One man I read after said this, being in desperation is bad. But being in desperation and alone with no voice from God, that's worse. Being in desperation in a deep, horrible pit, that's bad. But off in the distance, if you can hear the shepherd's voice, Even if you're in a pit, are you listening to me? Even if you've been doing that again, and you know you ought not to, but there you are again. If you're in a pit tonight, but tonight God is still speaking to you, you hear the voice of the shepherd. Even if you're in a dark pit, there's still hope because he can get me out and he knows where I am and he's coming my way. Man, I'm glad he doesn't give up on us. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you so much for this text and using the word of God to confront us, to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. God, we get away from you. We stray like a sheep. But like a good shepherd, you come after us and you use our friends to do that and you use other means to chase after us. Oh God, I want to praise you for it here tonight. Thank you so much for the men of God you've sent into our lives. I want to thank you for men in my life like Marvin Carson and Joe Decker and Dave McCracken and Sam Davison and so many, many others that you've used, God, in Sunday school teachers and just people. And tonight, God, um, there's some that have drifted away in their hearts. They may be here physically, but spiritually, they're not where they ought to be. And I pray you'd help them in Jesus' name.